Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. And so this, this week, starting this week for this month, we're, we're diving into a series I'm calling Set Apart. It really is a continuation, if you will, of where we've already been moving forward in this year. And it's this idea of we've done a lot to position ourselves with what God has, but we have to maintain this position of setting ourselves apart and not being like the world or not being like everybody else. This message today rolled around in my heart sometime in January, really strong, and I've been kind of looking at developing it some all throughout the time and listening and just studying, and I really want to bring it to you today to set up the month. So the rest of the month, you're going to hear this topic. Today, you'll hear me talk about four things that increase the presence and power of God in your life. The rest of the month, you'll hear each week will be those things individually. Does that make sense? So you'll get one each week. So make sure you don't miss. If you, if you miss, get online with us. And I want to say this morning, I'm going to use this word, and it's kind of a churchy word. Um, it's really for everybody that knows Jesus' word, but it's called the anointing. Every one of you that knows Jesus as Savior and Lord has an anointing on your life. And that means you have the ability to operate in the presence and power of God in your life. And that word typically is like, well, the pastor's anointing, and I have an anointing, and the church has an anointing. But you as a Christ follower have an anointing on your life. And here's the thing you need to know about the anointing. It is an empowerment of God to do beyond what you can naturally do. We all need to operate in the anointing in our life in the world that we live in today. But what I want to encourage you in today is you can do things that increase the anointing or decrease the anointing in your life. Now, it's different than salvation. I want to be very clear. You're saved by grace through faith because of the blood of Jesus and not by works. Amen? So we're not talking about earning salvation here or increasing salvation or or even decreasing it. We're not talking about the love of God. The love of God, God loves you more. God loves you the most he can possibly love you. He's at maximum capacity on his output of love for you. You can't do anything to increase God's love in your life. You can't do anything to decrease God's love in your life. But you can do things to walk in a greater power and presence of God or walk in a less power and presence of God. Does that make sense? And so there's different levels of that we can walk in. Here's the great thing. You determine what you walk in. If you're not satisfied with the anointing on your life currently or the presence and power of God you're operating currently, then do something about it. It just doesn't happen randomly, and it just doesn't happen because you have a need or a crisis. It is a lifestyle of understanding some of these principles. So I'm going to set it up today, and then you're going to hear it the rest of the month as we break down each individual piece. And I want you to know that you can walk in a greater level of God's presence and power than you currently are walking in. Can I get an amen this morning on that one? Hey, because we need it. I don't know if you... All right, turn on the TV and then fast it. (laughs) But turn on TV and the crazy political situation, the divisiveness of what we're experiencing. Turn on the TV and the stock market crashing. Turn on the TV and the pandemic. Turn on the TV and come on, the body of Christ needs to walk in the power and presence of God in the world today. We're not moved by those things. And we walk in wisdom, but we're not moved by those things. We're only moved by the power and presence of God, by the word of God. And so if there ever was a time for you and I, it is now to walk in this as a church and as individuals. And so let's take a look here in 1 John 2.20. Here's where we're going to start. 1 John 2.20, and we're talking about anointing on your life because God will anoint you. Listen, God will anoint you to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a mother, to be a father, to be a friend, to be an employee, to be an employer. God will anoint you for everything in life. So here's what it says in 1 John 2.20, but you have a anointing. You have an anointing. Say, I have an anointing. That's only true for those who are Christ followers. 
So if you're not a Christ follower, you haven't given your life to Jesus, guess what? By the time we end service today, you can be a Christ follower and have an anointing at the same time. All right? I'm just telling you. Okay. So you have an anointing. Where is it from? It's from the? From God. It's not dependent upon this world or this world system. Therefore, this world system cannot take it away from you. The culture can't. The economy can't. The politics can't. The devil can't. It's given by God. And you can walk and operate at it. And all of you know the truth of this. You have an anointing from the Holy One. It gives us abilities greater than our natural abilities, if you will, to live this life out. Take a look at 1 John 2, 27. 2, 27. Let's jump down seven verses. It says this. As for you, the anointing you received, where? From him remains in you. He's not going to take it away, but you can do things that will increase it or decrease it, operate it in a greater sense or lesser sense. And you do not need anyone to teach you. Here's what I love about the anointing. The anointing teaches you things that cannot be taught in the natural. The anointing will teaches you things. Sometimes you find out and say, wow, how'd that happen? I don't know. Where'd that idea come from? How did you know how to do that? I know there's been times I'm like, something comes out of my mouth and I say, wow, that was good. Where'd that come from, right? My wife told me the other day we were in the car and she said, that what you said earlier, man, that was really good. And I'm like, what did I say? Where'd it come from? What was it? Did you write it down? Did you record it? The anointing through the Holy One will teach you things. You're in moments in life. Come on. Hey, parents of teenagers, you need the anointing. Dear Lord, right? I mean, come on, right? He'll teach you things, show you things, help you navigate things. We need it in every area of our life, not just parents of teenagers, but it, 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 we, we learn things from the anointing we don't learn anywhere else. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, listen, there's people that think they're anointed that aren't, because you don't walk in the anointing and live like the world, right? You can't be anointed of God and live like the devil. You can be saved and live like the devil and go to heaven one day, perhaps, but you're not going to operate in the power and presence of God. And so we have to understand that. So teaching about all things, that the anointing is real, not counterfeit. We're not talking about man-made hype or things like that. Just it is, as it has taught you, remain in him. Lean into God. Lean into God's presence and experience his presence and powers and ways that you need to walk out this life victoriously. I want to say this, you know, ha- having read those scriptures to you, I've been in full-time ministry almost 28 years now here at Tree of Life. I, 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 you heard me, I went to Raymond Bible College for a couple of years. I've, I've had the opportunity to, to go places to learn. I have great mentors. I've been your senior pastor for over 13 and a half years. I've, I've grown up in this church. I, I've done things and I get chances to go all over the world and do pastor's conferences, things like that. I only say not from a proud place, I want to say this. I've, I know some things. I know how to do church. I, I, I know how to do Christian. I, I know how to do pastor. I know how to do that. But if I don't do that in the power and presence of God, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. See, we can come in here and I know how to, I can come up here and we can do church this morning. I can teach you a message that'll make you cry. I can do a message that'll make you laugh. I can do a message that'll make you mad at me, which probably every week. I can do all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't mean the power and presence of God is present through, my, through what I'm doing unless I'm connecting with him. And we have got to quit playing church and we've got to quit playing Christian and tap in and lean into the real power and presence of God. Here's what I've learned with all that I know. I need to lean in his ability, not my own ability. And the same is to be said on what you do in life. I mean, you can't play husband, you can't play wife, you can't play mom, you can't play dad. You gotta tap into the presence of power of God and walk in the anointing that is there to do those things. 
And so there's too many times that it's just easy for us to do what we know, but it doesn't mean that the power and presence of God is there. So don't fool ourselves. Don't fool ourselves because the power and presence of God is what brings about change in our life. So what I've learned most is not to lean on my ability, but his ability. And we can do church without him showing up, but what good is that for anybody? None. In fact, Zechariah says, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. His spirit, his presence, power is the difference maker. And some people, and you should never be content just to go to church without the power and presence of God. I'm not content to stand up here and bring a message without that. So don't be content to come and receive one and do what you can do to help create that anointing here corporately. And here's what I would say the other side of that is we're getting ready to go to a pastor's conference in India, two different, places, uh, two different parts of India, different groups. Where we go in India, it's really hard. I mean, it's not open at all. It's really closed. There's parts of India that are open, parts that are closed. We work in a primarily, our ministry is primarily in a really difficult one. They, they don't have all that. They don't have, I mean, I can get on and listen to podcasts. I can go to a conference. We just got back from Tulsa or, or the winter Bible seminar meetings and I had dinner with the Hagans and we just had all this kind of stuff. I have mentors. I have access to everything, all this kind of stuff. We go over to India and they don't have any of that. But yet I've been in services with them where the anointing was so strong on that place. So all this doesn't make you anointed because there's people that have all this that aren't anointed. There's people that don't have all this that are anointed. You make the difference on how you're going to lean into the person and power of God. And so it's important for you and I to understand that. You have an anointing on your life to do what God's called you to do. And you'll determine how much of that you walk in and how much you don't. And you can't blame the devil. And you can't blame your pastor. <laughs> and you can't blame other people. And so let's understand that. But just because you have all these things we talked about, it does not mean that you have his presence and power. Take a look at Ezekiel 44. Interesting passage of scripture. We're going to read verses 10 and 11, then we're going to jump down to 13 and 14. And said, and the Levites, the Levites were the tribe that were the priests of Israel. Now understand this, that we're all, the Bible says, you and I that know Jesus is Lord and Savior, we're all called kings and priests to rule and reign with him. That we are priests. We walk in that office, all of us, and Jesus is our high priest. But that's who we all are. The Bible describes us as that. So the Levites are the priests, and they're the ones that would take care of the tabernacle and the temple. And so the Levites, the priests who went far from me, now listen to the wording, who went far from me when Israel went astray, who strayed away from me, went far from me, strayed away from me. In other words, there are priests in the tabernacle and in the temple that aren't even walking with me, God's saying. Now they're titled something, but they don't have a relationship with me. He says, they, they, they strayed from me uh, from after their idols, pursuing the other things that they thought worked or the other things that they felt comfortable with. They shall bear their iniquity, meaning that's all they're going to get out of it. Right. He's like, I'm not with them because they're not walking with me. They're doing their job, if you will, but they're not connected to me. And so all they're going to get are the fruit of their labor is their work. Not going to receive anything from me. He says this, yet... They shall be ministers in my sanctuary as gatekeepers of the house of God and ministers of the house. They shall slay the burnt offering. They're still doing the offerings. They shall sacrifice for the people, doing all the priestly duties, and they shall stand before them to minister. But there's no power and presence there if they're not connected with God. And I would say to you, you can still be a mom. You can still be a dad. You can still be a husband. You can still be a wife. You can still be an employee, employee or friend and all that. But you need the power and presence of God. It doesn't mean that he's there with you unless you press in or lean into him. We can come and do church all day long, but it doesn't mean the power and presence of God is going to be here. There's churches all over America. God forgive me for this, but there's churches all over America that do that every week. 
Someone think about. And they shall stand before them to minister. They can still do all that. Hey, and you can still go to heaven. You can still go to heaven, but not ever have the power and presence of God here on the earth. What a shame that would be, right? It's where you need it. Uh, the next verse says, and they shall not come near to me to minister as the priest, nor come near of my holy things, nor in the most holy place, but they shall bear their shame and their abominations, which they have committed. Nevertheless, I will make them keep charge of the temple for it, uh, for all its work and for all that has to be done in it. And it's like, they can go do, you can still do all that. You can still go to heaven, but not have the power and presence of God in your life. And we need the power and presence of God in our life. You need it to be, you, you still get to be all those things, but you don't have the power and presence of God operating in your life. So how do we do that? How do we increase? How do we cultivate the power and presence of God in our life? I want to give you four things, four things that you can cultivate and grow the anointing of God in your life. And over the next four weeks, you'll get each individual thing for that week. So uh, let's talk about that. Exodus 28, 2. And what we're talking about now is we're looking at the priestly duties. We're looking at the tabernacle, the temple, and we're looking at the priests. And the Bible tells us right here, make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him honor and dignity or dignity and honor. Keeping in mind again, when we look at the Old Testament, we look at the role of priests in the New Testament. We're all, as Christ followers, priests, the Bible calls us that. So if we look in the Old Testament, which reveals the new, it shows us the new. It's a type or shadow might be the word. It's typology if you're studying a seminary. Typology, it's an example for you and I. So we can look at the old, apply these principles to our life, and walk in or appropriate what it's talking about. So here's the priest. It says, make sacred garments for your brother Aaron. And when he puts them on, he will operate in something he wasn't operating in. When he puts on the priestly garments, then he will walk in or operating honor and dignity in a greater measure capacity as if he, other than if he did not do that. So we can take these garments or these things here and see them operate in our life as we are priests. And as we put these items or articles on, we can see the honor and dignity or the anointing and power and presence of God increase in our life. And so putting on these things will, will help us walk in something we don't ourselves already have. So it's important to understand the principle here. So uh, God's talking about um, giving us the ability now, we're looking at scripturally the ability now to do these things or put these things on and the result will be as it's described here. So let's do, let's do that this morning. Um, I want to talk about how do we grow? How do we increase the anointing? Take a look now at Exodus 28, 36 through 37. We're talking about the priestly garments, the sacred garments that would do something that he wasn't already able to do. And so the first thing here is verse 36 says, make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it as on a seal holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to it, attach it to the turban. It is to be on the front of the turban. So here's a picture. He put on the sacred priestly garment on his head. It was a hat. You can picture a big hat and on the front of it, this golden plate that was said, holy to the Lord. As if you were looking at a trophy and you put a golden plate on the trophy and you engrave it. That's the idea. So right here on his hat, right here, everybody, it would be the words holy to the Lord. What is he talking about right there? You know what? It's important to protect the holiness of your mind. It's right here covering your mind saying, what your eyes see, what your ears hear are important. Don't put filth in your eyes and don't put filth in your ears. If you want to walk in the presence and power of God in a greater capacity, you need to pay attention to what you're looking at and what you're listening to. Come on, somebody. And in today's world of incredible ungodliness and worldliness, there are so many 
things that we can look at or listen to that will take away the anointing or decrease the anointing in our life. But the Bible says if we will protect our mind with the holiness of God, not meaning perfect, but holiness of God, then that will increase the anointing in our life. And I love that picture because it talks about the turban and the seal. The first thing is we put on the turban and the seal. And what we learn is I must have the protection of holiness around my mind. We have to put a protection around our mind. If I want to be the carrier of the presence of God in a greater capacity, I must have the protection of the holiness of God around my mind. Now, Paul says this. Paul says there's Christian men that know God. There's ungodly men that don't know God. And there's carnal men, people that know God but live like the world. Which one are you going to be? Listen, what we all need to do is protect our mind by monitoring what we watch and what we hear. Because that gets in there. That gets in there. And we all could probably do a better job at that. So we don't want to be that carnal Christian is really the word that's used. And so Paul warns about being a Christian with a lot of worldly things going on in the inside of us. You're going to heaven, but you won't be living in his power and presence while you're here on the earth. And that happens through our eyes and our ears. It gets into our mind. You have to protect, protect the holiness around your mind. And you determine what that looks like. And you know, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. But here's what our stance need to be. We need to be walking around like we're wearing that plaque, the holy to the Lord here. And we need to separate or be set apart from everyone else. Hey, my mind doesn't watch that. No matter what everybody else in the office is gathered around the computer for. My mind doesn't listen to that. Everybody else is listening to this music or whatever. Everybody else is talking about something. My mind doesn't read that. My mind doesn't send that, right? Your mind may, but mine doesn't because it's wholly separated unto the Lord. I'm not going to allow that in. I'm not going to allow that in my ears. I'm not going to talk that way. Listen to that. And the Holy Spirit will reveal you. Watch that. I'm not going to watch that. Look at that. Listen to that. Read that or send that. And it's important for you and I to understand that it's what matters. It matters what we let in. And the Holy Spirit will show you. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The eye is like, does that really matter? I mean, come on. I can manage that. I can Netflix that. I can go to that movie. Okay. I can tune out those, the F-bombs or whatever and the, and the music and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Come on. We justify it, right? I mean, come on today. I'm old enough. I'm mature enough to figure it out. But look what Jesus says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. <laughs> if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So don't think you can manage this by yourself. That is a lie of the enemy. We've got to be paying attention to what we're allowing in through our eyes and our ears. It matters. It determines light and darkness in you. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 17. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. The Gentiles, we're using the scripture, allow everything in their mind. They, they allow everything through their eyes and their ears and the futility of their thinking because they have not monitored that. They are darkened in their understanding because they let anything and everything in. And the result of that is they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them doing to the hardening of their hearts. I don't want a life separated from God. And this is saying that you continue to allow stuff in. You're not going to walk in the power and presence of God. Having lost all sensitivity, would it be true to say today that we have become desensitized 
to so much of the junk that the world has. The church has become desensitized. Believers have become desensitized. We're accepting things that are not acceptable according to the word of God. We're embracing things that the word of God says do not embrace. We're watching, listening to things, and what it's doing is it's desensitizing our spirit, man. We've lost all sensitivity. It doesn't matter anymore. Now I'm compromising. They have given themselves over to sensuality, what pleases them, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. It matters what you allow in. So he says, one thing we can do to bring the power and presence of God in our life in a greater capacity is protect your mind. Protect your mind. Watch what you put in there. Let me me say this way. That's part of what first fruits will help you do. So we all need to jump in on that one. That's part of what small groups will help you do. But let me say this. Whatever I starve dies. Whatever I feed lives You starve your flesh, your flesh will die. You feed your flesh, your flesh will live. You starve your spirit, your spirit will die. You feed your spirit, your spirit will live. You decide. Next article of clothing, Exodus 28, 29 through 30. I'm not doing this in the order they're listed. I'm doing it dressing ourselves from head to toe. Let's take a look at number two. Verse 29 says this, and whenever Aaron, the high priest, enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart. On the, listen to what it's called, on the breast piece of decision, as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also put the Urim and the Thummim in the breastpiece so that they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus, Aaron will always bear the means, listen, always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. In other words, he'll have like a a rope around his neck and it will hold like, let's say a a plaque or or a piece of wood here, right here, it'll hang right here over his heart. But look at what the scripture said that represented. It was a covering over his heart. The breastpiece of decision. What was written on the plaque? The names of the tribes of Israel. Here's what you need to understand about that. You need to protect the names written on your heart. Because it'll determine the decisions that you make, good or bad, right or wrong. You realize that we are all the sum total of our relationships, good and bad. The decisions we've made in life are influenced by our relationships, good and bad. And so what he's saying is in order for you and I to uh, increase the dignity and honor or the presence of God in our life or walk in a greater sense of anointing, we have to protect the names written on our heart. Some of our relationships need to be evaluated. And not just that, one of the things, one of the greatest things that you and I can do to protect the anointing on our life, because relationships will impact us maybe more than anything else, is we need to be people that are willing to forgive every day. Thank you. Can you, I'm going to give you a free book or something after service. Meet me out there. So I'm going to give you a breastplate of decision or something. I don't know. We have too much bitterness. We've got to deal with all that. Relationships are important. They'll make you or break you. We're allowing names on our heart, good names and bad names to be written on our heart. And they're directing our decisions. If you want to walk in the anointing of God for your life, you're going to have to make sure you protect those, manage those. Um, and let me say this, I, I'm going to say this is going to sound funny, but I hope my name's written on your heart because I'm working real hard every week to bring you something to live by. I hope tree of life is written on your heart. I, I, I hope that you have other positive things written on your heart, but here's the reality of what I know. There are, there are negative names written on your heart. There's real pain and real hurt. I'm here to tell you today, I have, my dad's name is written on my heart. I, 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 every time I come to the church, I think of him. I think of him every day. I make decisions. I think, wow, my dad would have done that, or I saw my dad do it. I, I talk to my kids, and 
I'm, my dad was a whole lot smarter now than I realized when I, right? Come on, somebody, right? I'm raising my kids, I'm telling the same thing my dad told me. That's a name written on my heart. Let me tell you who else is written on my heart. This is going to sound funny, but my high school baseball coach, I graduated 86 from New Braunfels High School, Coach Peter Garza. I tell you, that man impacted my life as much as anybody else. His name is written on my heart because of what he in, in, instilled in me. Pastor Hagen. Spiritual father to me. We just spent time last week with him. His name is written on my heart because the way he's spoken to my heart. But I have names from real hurts. I mean, I'm just like you. I mean, I carry some real hurts in my heart. I mean, I, I, I want to get out, rid of them. I, I need to walk in forgiveness every day. I want to get that bitterness out. But if I don't learn how to deal with that, it's going to affect my decisions. And you want to walk in a greater sense of anointing or power and presence of God, you got to protect those names on your heart. Here's what I know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit walks around with a giant eraser. And if you'll ask him, he'll show you. And then if you'll follow the biblical steps, and it won't be easy, he'll just erase some of those names off your heart. Amen? And you can put some names that need to be there, positive names, because it's the breast piece of decision. It's guiding our life, our decisions at times, the relationships, good and bad. And you want to walk in the increase of anointing in your life, then we need to protect the relationships in our heart. The breast piece of decision, I must have the right relationships over my heart. One of the most important things we can do, again, every day is to forgive, to forgive. See, it's important for us to understand that we have been forgiven much, therefore, we must forgive much. See, every day we should say, God, who is written on my heart and why? And then be able to deal with that. Now, when Jesus was teaching his followers how to pray, they were like, how do you pray? What do we do? You know, he gave them the Lord's Prayer. He gave them an outline. A lot of us just recite that prayer, and that's, and that's great. But it's really an outline to break those elements down. It gives us an outline to pray by. We should take the elements of pray. And if you read that prayer, there's only about seven things he really addresses in that prayer. So he doesn't address everything. But you know, one of the things that Jesus addresses in the outline of how to pray, he says, Father, forgive my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. He really just gives us seven things to be aware of and one of them is forgiveness. And then after the Lord's prayer, he goes and teaches us on forgiveness. And so it's important to understand that every day, God, help me to forgive. I, I, know, I know a lot, you know, like I said, of what to do, but I still every day have to get up and go to God for unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart, not allowed to be there. You know, I have opportunity every day to walk in that as you do. And it's important that we really address this. Let me say what the scripture says, Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. Here's what it says, verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Unforgiveness and bitterness. Can I tell you when, you, when you walk into that moment, it's like it's written on your heart, but if you go to bed angry, the ink dries. So we need to be very careful of that. Uh, it says this in, let me read Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Okay, yeah, no problem, right? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Here's how, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And here's what I know, you will never have to forgive somebody more than Jesus forgave you. I just can't do that. I can't. That's just too much. You'll never have to forgive anybody more than what Jesus forgave you. And here's what I know. The forgiven, forgive. 
Amen? Another piece of closing, Exodus 28, 39. Exodus 28, 39. This is a little bit different one. Here's what it says. Weave the tunic of fine linen. Weave the tunic of fine linen. You look at that translation. There's a lot of different translations. The best translation I feel on that word tunic, the word is undergarments, or let me just say it, the word is underwear. All right? Yeah, we're going to talk about underwear for a minute. Okay? Hey, come back for that installment. That'll be fun, huh? Okay, so we... Let me just say we hope all of you have that undergarment on right now, <laughs> but understand this is symbolic and you need, to, you need to catch the symbolism of this to really understand. So it's the part that nobody can see, right? That's why they call it an undergarment. It's the part of you nobody can see. I, I, I didn't know what linen, I didn't know a whole lot, I don't, you know. So linen, when we go to India, it's a climate that they wear a lot of linen, and like, why you wear a lot of linen? It's because it's a, it's a wider weave and it's, it's breathable, it's cooler. And so a lot of hot climates and stuff, they wear a lot of linen. So when we go places like that, we have, have those uh, clothes that are linen so we can be comfortable like them. But understand that the principle here, they, uh, they, they, they have something on them that, that breathes. And, and, and let me just clear this up for just a second. Here's the principle. Your underwear needs to breathe. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but I kept laughing about it. So, okay. So the part, of, the part of you nobody sees needs to breathe. The private part of you needs to breathe. Let's take a look at Ezekiel 44, 17 through 18. It says, when they enter the gates of the inner court, they are to wear linen clothes. They must not wear any woolen garment while ministering at the gates of the inner court or inside the temple. They are to wear linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments, there's our word, around their waist. They must not wear anything that makes them perspire, makes them sweat. Hey, listen, we don't need a private life that makes us sweat. <laughs> There's two ways to look at it that way. The stress and anxiety and what happens in private, how that affects the rest of our life. But then there's also a part of us that needs to breathe our soul. Our soul needs to breathe. This is the undergarment of linen. We're talking about the private side of you, the part that no one else sees. I need to take care of it or I'm sweating through the rest of the week. Let me say it this way. I'm becoming more and more convinced one of the greatest epidemics in our world today is no rest. And I'm hearing pastors preach on it, teach on it, and I'm going to do the same thing. But listen, I, I'm telling you, it's an epidemic in our country. In fact, just this week meeting with the staff, I told them, I said, I'm going to take this day and it's going to be my Sabbath and that's going to be my day of rest, period. And whatever we need to do to adjust for that, we need to have, you need to have a day that your soul can breathe. You need rest for your soul. And you might think, well, okay, I understand about what you put in your mind affecting the anointing. I got you. Okay, I understand about guarding your heart affecting the anointing. I got you on that one. But what does rest have to do with it? Everything. And I'm not just talking about sleeping. And here's what happens in our world today. We're looking at doing so many things. We're, we're pursuing so many things to, to give us some rest. We're, people are, are, it's an epidemic. I mean, we're, we're taking medicine to get rest, to sleep at night. We're taking medicine so we don't have stress and anxiety. Not belittling any of that. We're doing things, pursuing like drinking and drugs. And, the, and the, it's just to, to get a handle on our emotions. And we're doing all these things to get the rest for our soul that we need that God provided in just one day. One day of rest. One day of rest. Rest for your soul. Your soul needs to breathe. I don't need all this pressure. And we take our, I'm not talking about time off. 
I'm not even talking about taking something so you can sleep at night because it doesn't mean that you've been rested. I'm talking about your soul. And the thing that God provided is a Sabbath, if you will. It teaches us something about the anointing and the presence of power of God in our life. So I need to have a schedule that produces rest in my soul. My soul needs to breathe. I got my mind right. I got my heart right. I need to ensure that you take care of your soul. And again, this is a big deal. Isaiah 30, verses 15 and 16. Isaiah 30, 15 and 16 says this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. The Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and what? In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and what? Trust is your strength. Wait a minute. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Verse 16 says this. You said, no, we'll flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we'll ride off on swift horses. No, I can do more work. I can take this time and produce more. I can take this time and get more done. I can take this time and do this and do that and do this. And it's epidemic in our life. And here's what he says. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. You can't get away from it. You need to rest. Quit using those things in those moments to try and do more, produce more, get more, because you can't run from it. You got swift horses. I'm going to get ahead of this. The horse is going to be swift too. It actually goes on to say in verse 18, it says, uh, blessed are all who wait on him. All who wait on him. See, you, you, we need those moments of rest for our soul. You want to walk in the annoying, the power and presence of God? Take care of your mind. Keep the filth out. You know, you can go to heaven with a filthy mind, but you won't experience heaven on earth with a filthy mind. You can go to heaven with unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart, but you won't experience the power and presence of God like you should or could with unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. You can go to heaven, stress, depressed, anxiety, wore out, but you won't experience the presence of God like you could or should if you don't learn how to give your soul some rest. It's important for us to understand these things. So take care of your heart. Don't hold that bitterness and unforgiveness in. You have to decide how to find some rest in your mind. Find some rest. Psalms 92, 1, 2 says this. And this is a psalm. Listen, this is the heading. This is straight from the Bible, the heading. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. This is over the psalm in the scripture. You'll read that there. And here's the first two verses in the Psalms 92 psalm. It is good to praise the Lord. This is about the Sabbath. It's good to praise the Lord and to make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness of night, at night. You need to implement this in your time of rest for your soul. And it goes on to say then in verse 10, in the same psalm of Sabbath, it says, then, and other things, then I have been anointed with fresh oil. If I'll learn to take a Sabbath Rest for my soul, find times to worship the Lord, spend time with God. What does it say? He says, I'll find his refreshing. I have been anointed with fresh oil. God's going to increase the presence and power of my life. Keep the Sabbath and you'll bear fruit. It even goes on to say further than that, keep the Sabbath and you'll bear fruit in your old age. You know why you'll be productive in your old age? Because you want to wore yourself out. You won't be so tired or burnt out or whatever. You'll have to take that Sabbath thing. See what we're doing is God's given us an economy of time. We're robbing the back end of our life to live in the moment now. It's the truth. And then we're asking God, help me, help me. And he says, I gave you everything you need. You didn't learn how to rest. And so it's important for us to learn this principle now so we can be productive in our later years for sure. Isaiah 58, 13 through 14 says this. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, 
and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking out of words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to the feast of the inheritance of your father Jacob. And I love this, I love it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. As I want to say, for I have spoken, saith the Lord. I love that. You know what that is to me? And I don't know if you read the scripture. That's God's drop the mic moment. Boom. You honor the Sabbath, I'm going to take care of you. Drop the mic. Boom. Enough said. The Lord has spoken. Man, this is God speaking to us, right? I mean, we need to understand this. Let me give you the fourth one. I got to close. Uh, would be the last one is this. I'm going to read, uh, read it. Exodus 28. Yeah, there we go. Exodus 28, 31. Going head to toe on the garments. Last thing I want to talk about here, which the next four weeks will be about each individual one. Says this: Number one, make the robe. Or number four, make the robe of of the ephod, the big robe they would wear, entirely of blue cloth. It'd be like wearing this big blue robe. So put on this big blue robe. Make pomegranates of blue, purple, scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate around the hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it when he enters, when he ministers rather. The sound of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord when he comes out. Listen, picture a big blue robe with 72 gold bells alternating between 72 pomegranates around the bottom. Can I tell you, that's a lot of jingling along the way, all the way right there, right? You know when that dude's coming, you know when... That's why they would have him wear it in there because if they didn't hear the jingle anymore, well, get him out. He's, he wasn't clean. He must have died in there or something. But for you and I, it's the part that's highly visible. It's a part of us that everybody can see. It's a part of us that your family sees when you're at home. It's a part that your people see at work when you go to school, at church. You don't hide this. And what is he saying here? He's saying, put on the garment of joy. Have a spirit of joy is what he's saying. Put on the bells and put on the blue robe and let everybody see that spirit of joy in you and put on the spirit of praise for, or put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He's talking about you want to increase the anointing in your life, the power and presence of God in your life, then we need to learn to adopt a spirit or an attitude of joy every day. Put it on. Dress yourself in it every single day. See the anointing increase in your life. Number four is the robe with bells. I must have an attitude of joy in my spirit. The oil of joy for the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of despair, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Make a choice. No matter how you feel, Make a choice. It is your choice. If you're going to walk in the power and presence of God every day, no matter what's happening round about you, put on the spirit of joy. So we want, we need to be carriers of his anointing. We need his presence and power in our lives. So lean in. So put on the turban and ask God to purify your mind. Today's a great time of repentance. That's a powerful word to be able to do that. Ask God to forgive and the Holy Spirit to reveal what we need to adjust. Ask God to heal our broken hearts so we have the courage and power, not in our strength, but in his strength, to forgive the unforgivable, to get the bitterness out of our hearts so we can protect our relationships. Ask the Holy Spirit to convict us about our schedule, our days off, and find that Sabbath, that day of rest. He'll reveal it to you. And then choose joy every day in the name of Jesus and walk in the anointing God has for your life. An increase of the presence of power of God in our lives for everyday living. Come on now. God is a good and faithful God. Amen? He's got a great plan for your life. We can do this. Hey, 
Hey, church, we can do this, but maybe not on our own. We need the church family to help us. We need small groups to help and encourage us, help us walk it out. We, we, we need to make some decisions. First fruits year, come on, jump on board with some of these things we're talking about. I'm telling you, it'll help, it'll help you get those things in order and help you walk in a greater anointing in your life, greater sense of God's presence and power. Let's pray. Father, I just pray right now, just right now, before we move and give people an opportunity to make a decision for Christ, right now, I pray, Father God, that each and every one of us, Lord, come to this place. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, reveal to us the things that perhaps we've overlooked, the things that intentional, unintentional, the things that even have become a part of us because of desensitizing or compromise. Reveal those, speak to us, convict us of that again so we don't walk that way. So we can come to a place of repentance and ask, Father, forgive us of that so we can have a fresh start, a new beginning today, Father God, so we can guard our mind. And Father God, we, we need help. We need help, Father God. I need help with my relationships. I know there's names written on my heart, Father God, that are not to be there. Father, give me the strength and the ability, Lord, to forgive, which doesn't even involve them. Help me, Father God, remove that root of bitterness there, Father God. Let the Holy Spirit come and bring his giant eraser. And erase that, Father God, so I can replace that. Father, I ask that you help us, Lord, with find rest, rest for our soul. Lord, it's at epidemic proportions across our nation, Father, against destroying us. Father God, help us come to a place. Holy Spirit, convict us of the things we should let go, the things that are not necessary, Father, so we can find that moment, that time set aside that we can find refreshing in you. And Father God, I thank you that every day, every moment, every opportunity, we make a decision to walk in the spirit of joy. The spirit of joy, Father God, no matter what the situation, no matter what the political situation is, no matter the economy situation, Father God, no matter what happens and everywhere we go, Father God, that we choose the spirit of joy. Put it on, Father God, and we live our life that way. I thank you for an increase in our lives as we lean into you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.